Last week you had uh, Mike Law here with you preaching and I was really pleased that Mike wasn't because um, I don't know, I haven't heard, but he, he might have stated is when I gave him the passage to read on, it was the Trinity and uh, he did thank me very much on preaching on one of the most probably difficult parts of the, I'm really loud, can I just be turned down a little bit, sorry, I'm, um, on the most difficult parts of the whole understanding of our Christian faith. And with that in mind, we're moving on to new series now, so we don't have to touch it again. But this new series, we're going to be looking at building. Uh, not necessarily uh, this kind of building, but Paul, could you just put up the slide of the different things we're going to look at over these next seven weeks? Well, this week we're going to look at what does it mean to build hearts, to build our hearts, for God to build our hearts. Next week, if you're here at 10.30 in the morning, you're in the wrong place. Uh, Paul will explain later, we're down at the regatta uh, next Sunday. The week after, James Crump is going to preach on how do we build our young people. How do we build them in that sense of knowing and understanding who God is. We're going to be looking at how do we build an understanding of generations. There's so much focus in church sometimes can be on the young people that we forget there are other generations out there who have so much to offer and to give. How do we build our understanding of how God works in that? How do we build expectations so that we do expect God to work? How do we build space? Michelle Hayway's preaching on this one. Both in terms of space to, to worship God. How do we build into our lives a pattern of space? But also, how do we build uh, the space that we have? How do we make it and use it so that it's good and it's right? How do we build our way of speaking of who God is? That actually when we speak of God, we have something behind us to be able to, to share and, and to build that sense of wanting to speak about God. And finally, how do we build a sense of God's community? Of God working? So this is the kind of building that we're going to be looking at, not just necessarily, well not at all really, physical buildings, but how do we... Uh, how does God build these things within us? And so we start with this passage today with Ezekiel. It's not a book that I imagine many of you jump straight to when you're thinking of, uh, of books in the Bible to read. Ezekiel is a prophet, and in some quarters he's probably, uh, some people believe him to be Pythagoras's uh, teacher. Um, for those who are at school, remember Pythagoras' theory about math. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. That's about the only thing from school I remember, to be honest. Um, and he was a prophet. He was a prophet, Ezekiel. And, and I was trying to think, what's the best way of describing a prophet? And actually, in this time, it's a little bit like a, a brass instrument, a trumpet, or a musical instrument. You know, God speaks, and the the, uh, the prophet is the mouthpiece. Actually, I'll just give you a prop. I wasn't planning to do this, but I'll give you a demonstration. So imagine God speaking. If there is no prophet, it's just hot air. You put a mouthpiece in. That's helpful. I could actually blow a note. Um, there is a sound. There's something about it. And so the prophet was that mouthpiece. That when God spoke, it wasn't just air, but it was focused and clear so that the people who were hearing what God was saying could hear clearly. And do you know what? Ezekiel, as a prophet, 
didn't have the greatest of starts. <laughs> he was ridiculed. He was, he was rejected. No one wanted to know, mainly because the prophecy he was bringing was not the one, everything's going to be lovely hunky-dory. We've got an element of it in our reading today. He actually tore them to shreds. And actually the first 24 verses, or 24 chapters, sorry, of Ezekiel is basically hellfire damnation. It's not going to be okay. And it's not until we get to the chapters 33 to 39 do we start to see something of the restoring, the building, the hope that there is for God's people. Now today I want us to focus particularly, and Paul, if we could put this up, on verse 26 of, of our reading today. There's lots of things around it, and we could focus on, on many different aspects. But verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will give you a new heart. To almost remove that heart of stone. The heart that doesn't want to accept anything, that just wants to, to field its own pleasures and desires. And God says, I will put a new heart in you. You know, if we're going back to the Jewish understanding, we now think of the mind as the intellect, don't we? But those days, the heart would have been the intellect. It would have been the whole very being of someone. So when the prophet says, that God says, I will give you a new heart, it's almost the same as saying, I will give you a new life. I will do something in you that will change you, transform you. And the difficulty that we have reading through these 21st century glasses and eyes that we have, is the moment we see the word Israel, we start thinking a political thing. Israelis, the Palestinians, forget that. It's nothing to do with that. Israel was God's people, and so therefore it is God's people. He's saying, I will give to God's people a new heart, a new life. We need to just be careful that we don't start reading political nature. It's like at Christmas, or Advent, did I say, when we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Redeem thy captive Israel. And all of a sudden everyone's like, ooh, political. No, it's not. Israel was God's people. And that's who the prophet Ezekiel is speaking to when he says that God says, through that mouthpiece, I will give you a new heart. Put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone. Something that can't be moved, manipulated. And give you a heart of flesh. You know, it's not a comfortable read, these verses, are they? they don't, you don't sit there going, oh yeah, that's wonderful, you know. You see the pain that the, the prophet has been at to say, come on. You've, you've done your own thing long enough now. Turn to God. It's not a comfortable read. Leave your wickedness behind. Leave the things that get in the way of your relationship with God behind. You know, that might be something for someone here today. Now, I've said this before, sin, we sometimes think of all sorts of naughty things we do. Now, actually, sin is a thing that gets in the way of our relationship with God. In of themselves, they might not be wrong. But they stop 
Well, they hamper our relationship with God. And maybe we need to hear the words of the prophet afresh in our hearts. Leave those things behind. Leave them behind. So when we talk of God building in us a new heart, building a heart within us, we we need to understand that, first of all, as I've said, God is the one who does the building. If we start building, it's just going to fall apart. Some of you may have seen my attempts at DIY in certain things. I've got a little bit better, a little bit better, as time goes on. But my dad was this, a little bit better? Okay. My dad, and I don't use the phrase lightly, was a master carpenter. He left school at the age of 14, and he retired. by the time he retired at 60, 62, all that time he'd been working with wood. And my dad could take this old rough bit of wood, go into his workshop and come out with this most beautiful bowl or, or beautiful ornament. He was a master carpenter. Absolutely none of it rubbed off onto me. But it is God who does the building. Whatever we do in church life, if God is not building it, then let's scrap it. Because the foundation it's on is worthless. Now, the new things that we start talking about in church life, if it's not of God, there's no point. So when we say building hearts, it is God who builds our heart. But we might say, well, Tim, what, what do you mean building our hearts? What does that actually mean? You know, sometimes we might use, what is God talking to you? What is God saying through your heart? And sometimes people are afraid that God's going to call them to do something that's completely against uh, what's on their heart. But I want you to know now that, that, and just to ask that simple question, forget God for a moment. I know that's not great for a preacher to say that, but forget God for a moment. What are the things that make your heart sing? What are the things that when you do them, or what are the things that excite you, that give you joy and give you fulfilment? What are the things that you say, I want to really be part of that? Forget church stuff, just generally, what are the things? And let me tell you, that is what God is building your heart for. It might be the sailing club. Well, maybe God is building your heart for the sailing club to go and be light in that place. It might be the local bakery group. God is building your heart to go and be Christ in those places. What is on your heart? There's an old song, wasn't there? What what is on your heart? Show me what to do. Let me know your will and I will follow you. I won't sing it. What's the song called? I want to serve the purpose of God in my generation. There we are, that's the one. Look it up, it's great. But that's how God is building your heart, by giving you a passion, giving you something. It might be, in the life of the church, it might be a passion for reaching people with the good news of Jesus. It might be a passion for our youth, for our children. It might be a passion for administration to make sure things are done right. It might be a passion for here for you on a, on a Monday morning. It might be a passion for prayer station on a Saturday. What is God laying on your heart? How is God building your heart up to serve others? What is your heart for? 
What is your heart for? You know, we don't need to think that actually, there's probably about 80, 90 of us here this morning, that God is giving us 80, 90 different hearts with different passions, that all of a sudden I'm going to get an email, to 80 emails tomorrow saying, Tim, can the church start doing this ministry? Because we ain't going to be able to sustain it. But what about you and your heart that you can do outside the church? You being the church in the place where you are called with the passions, the strengths, the desire that God has laid within you. How do we build that? How do we build that sense of understanding? That sense of, of wanting to know more and more. What is it, God, you are laying on my heart? And that's between you and God. Sometimes being a minister is deeply frustrating. Because you have your own passions and desires and hearts and things you want to do. Um, but you're always doing other things. And I'm sure that's just not being a minister. That's, that's life in general, isn't it? You know, if we could take away some of the things that are mundane, boring things that we have to do. Wow. Wow. Would we do it? It would be an interesting question though, wouldn't it? But maybe does God need to soften your heart? Maybe you are the one in that reading today that has a heart of stone. It's not because of any particular reason, and it's not because you're trying to be pig-headed about it, but just the way life has been, or the situations where you have a heart of stone. God needs to soften it, to show you his will in your life. It wasn't just Israel that God spoke to us. David in the Psalms, doesn't he? Um, Creating me a clean heart. Refresh my spirit, that saying. Do something new within me. And if Israel and if David need to proclaim, soften my heart, do something with my heart, God, and I think it's probably a fair shout we need to as well, doesn't it? How often do we say, God, give me a heart. Show me. Show me my passion. Show me what it is you desire me to do. But what is the church's heart? You know, it's very easy sometimes to come up with strap lines, isn't it? You know, Southwest Baptist Church, a light for Christ. Hey, great. But sometimes strap lines can just turn into words. Words that sit on a board. One of my regrets uh, when my dad died was that we put this um, huge plaque not of my dad, um, but of a, of, um, do you remember the, um, I can't remember what it was now, but it was a saying that was going around quite a lot in the church. And it was a huge wooden thing, you'd imagine my dad being a carpenter. And over the years, different people have added word plaques to the, to the board itself. Um, it was talking about helping the church to go deeper. Great, great words. But the problem is when we do that, sometimes those words can become a monument that actually they're not lived, they're not active, they become stone because we treasure them so much they're not living. I was speaking when I was at the big church day out, a great time, uh, with about 20,000, 25,000 other Christians all, all in a field on a very hot day with burnt sun knees, uh, burnt sun, sunburnt knees. Um, 
And he was saying that their church in Leicester, I think he was from, uh, English heritage had been a pain in the backside because they've had lead stolen and they want exactly the same replaced. And he said to me, the problem is, it's not a monument to the past of the church, it's a living building. We're thankful we've got a building that's not that old. But one of my previous church, the fight with English or national or whoever it was, heritage, was always. But it's not an ancient monument. It's a living building. It's active. There's things going on. There's a community within here. So I'll come back to what is the heart of this church. What is the heart of this church? Now I believe more and more that it is about being a church that is in, embedded in the community. That the church, is, as people walk around on the streets or wherever, can see the church in action where they are. Not some little cult happening on a Sunday morning, but a church in the community. But there's several things that go with that. We need to ask the same questions. How do we build that? How do we build that? I think we started, and we started really well. I think the question that we now are at is the next one, is how do we sustain it? How do we sustain here for you on a, on a Monday morning? How do we sustain prayer station? These are really important questions. And it comes back to, if these are of God, then we have to believe that they have got good foundations. And we need to see people coming forward that are willing to stand on the street for a couple of hours on a Saturday morning. And just, to be honest, and those who have done it will probably agree with me, we say pray with people, half the time it's talking with people, isn't it, Michelle? If not even more than that. Talking to people. And saying, hi there, oh, who are you? No, we're not JWs, we're from Soulsash Baptist Church. Is there anything you want us to pray for? Oh, could you pray for my Auntie Kitty? She's not very well at the moment. Great, we'll put her down and pray for her tomorrow. Have a great day. It's not hard, is it? But we need people to come and to share in that. We need people to be willing on a Monday morning to sit down and drink tea and coffee. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? Drink tea and coffee. And just to be there in the community. That was great. The other Sunday, I drove, Monday, I drove past, I think it was Joy and um, I forget who else it was now. Uh, Joy and Jane, I think it was, were sat outside the shop having a coffee. And they said loads of people stopped them. That was right, Jane, wasn't it? Yeah, people stopped you and asked, what on earth are you doing? We need to be in the community. And I believe that is what God is building our heart for. And then when we sustain it, we need to again ask that question, how do we grow it? You know, I, I'm... I'm going to say this now. The church that stays still is the church that dies. The church that stays still is... That doesn't mean everything has to change. But we have to be constantly asking the question, God, what next? God, what next? And the moment we think we've got to where God wants us to be, then we're in trouble. We always need to be asking, what next? And our heart as a church needs to be a heart that loves people. And I think we're good at that. I'll be honest, I think we're good at that. That we love people. That we welcome people. That we share with people life, the highs and the lows. And we're a family that we scream and shout at each other. 
And we tell people when things aren't right. And we do it lovingly. And we're real. You know, that's what people want to see when they come into church. Not, not a group of people who've got it all sewn up. Not a people who kind of won't say boo to a goose to each other. But a people that are real with each other. And that's about our hearts loving one another and walking with one another. You know, sometimes we might feel like the first 24 chapters of Ezekiel. It's all doom and gloom. Oh, where's God? Oh, he would slay the wicked. Oh, he would drive out the iniquities of the society. Yes, there's room for that. But we can't live there. We need to live in chapters 33 onwards with hope. With a hope that God can do things. With a trust that God will work in our lives. Next Sunday is a really important Sunday in the year of the life of the church. And I really believe this. We're down at the regatta. 10.30 at the regatta on the, um, on the outside the Union Inn. And we're going to join with the Wesley Church. And we're going to be right at the heart of the community, sharing the love of God in a service. It'll only be half an hour. Jonathan's preaching, so it probably won't go on that long really important, but just as important is we are going to run prayer station on the Saturday and Sunday. And if you've never done prayer station before, this, and, and you don't think, well, I can't do it all the time, but you just want to come and serve the church and serve God in that way, it means that all that Saturday and Sunday, people walking around the, 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 the regatta will have just an opportunity to maybe just want to share or pray with someone. We did it at the May Day. It was great. We had Everyone came. Um, we had lots of prayer requests. The next Sunday, our, our prayers were, were led by the community. We had people who were drunk. We had people who had lost loved ones. We had people who, who, who wanted us to pray. We had the school come up and ask, how can we link? What I don't want to happen is for us to go, oh, we can't do it all throughout the week, the two days, because actually we haven't got enough people. Just for an hour if we as a church could really do that and say, here we are in the heart of the community. We want to show you God's love. I think that would be a good way of building, of God building our hearts. This community needs to know that God loves them. That we love them. That God is building our, building our hearts to serve them to love one another, and to serve this community. May God build our hearts. May our hearts be not hearts of stone, but hearts of flesh that show the love of God. Amen.